So good to see you this morning. We're continuing, and I think this will be the last class concerning the activities of Jesus during the 40-day period between his resurrection and final departure. Now, have some of you noticed that I not use the word ascension only in relation to Jesus' departure? But what have I also said? His what? Final departure. Because we want to talk about that in a couple of weeks in a different way than we've been speaking about it. By the way, next week, we're going to have a class. Keith is going to teach it concerning the gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, all of you will be here, and it should be more crowded because others on the leadership team and so on will be here as Keith kind of inaugurates, if you would, this summer activity of encouraging us to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. So that will be next week. So please make sure you come. Don't not come to the class because I'm not teaching it. The class is God's class, not mine. <clears throat> and so this morning we'll talk about the final aspect of this. And you remember last week we talked about Jesus explaining that his kingdom would be built. And this is extremely important. The kingdom of God, Jesus is saying through his uh, instruction and so on, the kingdom is going to be built not unilaterally by God. You know what I mean by unilaterally? Him alone, by himself. <clears throat> the kingdom of God is going to be built through the progressive, cooperative work as God joins his people to his work as his fellow workers. So we got that. The kingdom of God is going to be built certainly by the Holy Spirit, but in a unique way. The Holy Spirit is going to gather God's people together, and he's going to anoint and empower God's people as God's fellow workers in the construction of the kingdom. This is God's way. In fact, this is partly of the impact, the impact or the meaning of Emmanuel, remember? And a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall, what? And he will be called what? Emmanuel. Where is that? Isaiah 7, verse 14. You remember that promise. And so, Emmanuel is God with us, but not just God with us, but us with God. God and man, man and God, walking and working together for the construction of his, peop of his uh, kingdom. So this morning, we're going to talk about the final one of these various things, his care, his correction, and then this morning, his command. The evening of his first appearance, remember what Jesus said, peace be with you. And you remember what we talked about. The word peace there has to do with the blessing that the high priest would give to the people after he returns from the temple, having made sacrifice for sin. And so when he came out of the temple, the people knew the sin uh, offering had been accepted by God as to their forgiveness, or at least the putting away the forgiveness of their sin for that period of time. And the priest would bless the people with a gift from God. And this is the gift from God, God's peace. 
God's peace. And you remember the blessing that Aaron would give and the rest of the uh, high priest would give. It's called the Aaronic, A-A-R-O-N-I-C, the Aaron, Aaronic blessing, which is found where? In Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. You remember what that is. And so Jesus comes in among them and he gives them this blessing. He is the high priest who has come forth out of the temple of God, having made acceptable sacrifice for all our sin. And then he comes forth and he blesses his people with the blessing of Aaron, the blessing of peace for his people. And then he says to them, he says, stay in the city. This is the first command he gives them. Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So something's going to happen. The disciples are going to be inaugurated, I'm sorry, commissioned to be builders in the kingdom. But they're going to be builders in a particular way, needing a particular ability. And that ability to be co-workers with God, fellow workers with God, is predicated on receiving the power of God in order to walk with God and cooperate with God in the construction of God's kingdom. And so what does he say? He says, stay. So the first part of the commandment is stay. Remember what we said. Now that Jesus is back, he's back with us. He's risen from the dead. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's con- he is the great victor. And probably in a natural way, the thought pattern and the anticipation of the disciples is what. And by the way, the disciples doesn't only mean the 12 11 men. I think it means a whole lot of folks because we have the disciples, remember, in the upper room further down the line in 40 days from now, it's about 120 people. So we're not talking about just 10 or 11 or so men here. We're probably talking about a much larger group. But anyway, now's the time for the establishment of the kingdom. Now we can start going out. And Jesus is going to be proclaimed king. Rome's going to be overthrown. We're going to have the great kingdom, and we're going to be used. And I'm going to sit at this point, and I'm going to have this, and I'm going to rule over that. All of that may be going through their minds, but Jesus says, stay. They're ready to go, but what? Stay. Now, what does that mean? Too often, we are more ready to minister than we are to stay and receive from God what he gives us in order to be able to minister. Remember, this is his work. It is his word. It is his life that we are being used to minister. And we dare not do that within the power of our own natural thinking and our own ways. But it can only be done effectively as God is in the midst of it giving the power and the anointing and the blessing so that as we minister with God as to the purposes of God, then God is working his purposes fully in us and through us. So let me encourage you in this. The most important aspect of ministry is not always, let's go, let's go. The most important aspect of ministry is the foundation The foundation of all ministry is fellowship with God. Fellowship first and then function or ministry. Function must be the result of and built upon fellowship. 
So fellowship is the stay, stay, stay. And it doesn't mean stay and do nothing. But it does mean stay and allow the Holy Spirit to be equipping us in his particular way. So that when he releases us to minister, to share the gospel, to tell somebody, to go somewhere, we are ready to go within the context of having fellowship with him and having received of him that particularly and specifically which we needed to have received in order to give it to those who need to have that thing, that particular aspect, to be given to them to receive it. Stay. Now that Jesus was back, wasn't it time to establish a kingdom? Well, sure, but not until another event. He says, stay. For how long? How long do we stay? How long do we stay? Until. Well, how long is until? You see, if you have these thoughts, which all of us do because we're in the natural bodies, the natural thought is what? Jacob, what? How long? Right? Is that Jacob back then? How long? What's the answer? Barry, until. Until you're released by the Holy Spirit. Until you're released. Why? Because all of this has to do with trusting and abiding and waiting for and depending upon God. You see, the issue of until, how long, has to do with me, my, I. Do you see the distinction there? And so when your soul, when your mind, when your emotions say, how long, how long? Then make sure your flesh is rising up to take the work of God into your own hands, into my hands. So when we are thinking that, how long? Then we have to minister the word of God to ourselves and to say, soul, Wait upon the Lord. Wait until you're released from the Holy Spirit. By the way, is that Noah back there? Good for him. I like people to be agreeing with the word. You see, they did not yet understand that the kingdom of God would not be built by human ingenuity and ability, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is so significant, and it is so insidious. You know what insidious means? That thing which creeps into our lives unbeknown to us and is active in us without us even realizing. This is insidious. And so we ever need to be more and more aware of and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to us any and all of these human thoughts and abilities and desires and preoccupations so that the work is increasingly becoming the work of God in and through us rather than us putting our hands on the work of God. So finally at the end of the 40-day sojourn, finally we're on the 40th day. We're on the day when Jesus will leave for the final time. And Jesus tells his disciples this in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. 
So what does he say? Go. Make disciples. You see, the disciples are given the authority of God's, as God's living stones. Remember, we are the living stones in 1 Peter 2, 5. Remember that we are living stones in God's spiritual house. And as God's living stones, he gives the command for us to go and make disciples. Now, what is the building material? We all are going to, all of us are under a command to go and build. Build, 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 build. Everyone in here who is a believer is commissioned and commanded by God. May I repeat that? Every one of us in here who are believers are commissioned and commanded or commissioned to be commanded. Commissioned because you are commanded. Commanded because you're commissioned. The two go together. We're not making the distinction between the two. And what is our commission? What is our command? What is the requirement or the obligation of every believer? What is it? To build. Are you with me this morning? This is not something that can be taken just, Andy, if you feel like building. This is not something that you can kind of give a, what, what is the word I'm looking for? I can't find my word here. What? It's not optional. That's the word. Thank you. Brenda's awake. This is not optional. If we are to be believers who are walking in the will of God, we are builders of his kingdom. And what's the building material? What is the building material? Well, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2.10. You know, all of us know Ephesians 1 to 3, or 2, 1 to 3. Remember, we're dead in our sins and trespasses. Remember that we were by nature's children, nature children of wrath. Remember all that. And then Ephesians what? 2.4 says what? What does Ephesians 2.4 says? But God being rich in mercy because of his great love. He has saved us. And so we get to Ephesians 2.8 and what does it say? For by grace you have been saved. For by grace you've been saved. That's the cross. Through, the word is dia, D-I-A in the Greek, meaning through the agency or through the receptivity of faith. So faith is our yielding to and receiving. But even that ability to receive and yield to is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. You see, it doesn't say you were saved because you sought Jesus. It doesn't say that. It says you were saved, and then you received that salvation because Jesus gave you the desire and the ability to receive it. Amen? It doesn't put us first. It puts God first, having completed the work of our redemption at the cross and in the resurrection. That's when we're saved. We realize the good of it, the reality of it, and receive it. On a particular day, which we called, that's the day I was saved. Well, that's the day in a time frame. But the date of our salvation was when? 2,000 years ago at the cross. Amen? 
That's the date of our salvation. That's when all of God's people were in a time period or a time context. That's when we were literally saved. And then the Holy Spirit began to gather God's people and to bring the good and the power and the reality and the uh, activity of their salvation that was procured at the cross to them individually. Remember in Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, you might want to read that. It's the Holy Spirit. I will, I will, I will, I will, God said. It doesn't say, if you do this, then I will. It doesn't say that. It says, I will. And when I will, therefore, you will, because I will give you the ability to will. Where were we? Oh, so, but Ephesians, then we, we know that part, then we don't know Ephesians 2.10. Why? Because the, the reason for it or the function or the activity of all of this salvific work of God is explained in Ephesians 2.10. This is a verse which we can use to show what is the building material? How do we build the kingdom of God? So let's look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship. What does that mean? Fellow workers. Created in Christ Jesus, remember, as living stones, remember that? We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? What is that word there? Do, do you have the notes in your, you can, you can say it out loud. This is a Pentecostal church. You may respond. We were created, what? By God in Christ Jesus. We are God's uh, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Say it again. I can't hear you. Good works. You see, them who say Christianity is not works haven't read the Bible. Christianity is the work of God in us, producing in us his good works as a consequence and proof and verification and extension of his good work. Good works. So what is a building material? If you're building a brick wall... And the bricks are the living stones. What holds these bricks together? The mortar. Remember that? Mortar? How do you say it? Mortar? I don't, I don't say some word. Gene laughs at me in some of the words, and Linda makes fun of me too. That's a shame, isn't it? They make fun of my words. Which God prepared when? Before what? We were saved in a time context, that we should do what? Walk in them. In other words, that we through our good works are about the building of the kingdom of God. Simply put, it is ungodly to disassociate good works from Christianity. There's no such thing. We were saved by the good work of Christ. Are you with me? And we were saved when the Holy Spirit came upon us and birthed us into the kingdom, which we received by faith, which was his gift, so that in us the good work of Christ might be manifested in us through the good works of each believer. Are you with me on this? How do you know you're a believer? Not because you had a frill and a chill when you received Christ. And some of you did and some of you didn't. And I'm not making fun of that one way or the other. But too many people put the emphasis on, 
I know I was saved because I felt something. Well, you're kidding. You can eat bad food and feel something. When I was saved, I didn't feel a thing. Nothing. That's it. Hmm. I didn't feel a thing. Some of you had a great experience. Some of you did. Anybody? Some of you did. But you can't base your salvation on that. What is the essential proof that we are God's people? When God's good works are being manifested in us through our good works, which are his good works in and through us. Amen? Good works. Good works. Oh, good works. I thought we were saved and that was it and that was it. and that. No, good works. And in fact, if there ain't no good works in you, you cannot claim to be a Christian. You see, what essentially are good works? Essentially, Jesus talks about in John 10, 32, that these works that he is doing, these are the Father's works. You see, the good works of Jesus were the good works of God the Father being produced in Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit. Are you getting this? So you see... The, the initiator and the power is of God. But we have to be agreeing with that and cooperating with that. This is what you call a synergistic activity. Burtis, you know what synergism is? What is synergism, brother? What? Can't hear you. This cooperation of two things, right? Synergism is two, doing something. Monogism is what? One. So this is a synergistic work. It is the work of God and his people in mutual, intimate, fellowshipping, relational cooperation. That's what it is. It's not me doing something for God. It is God himself doing something in me with which I am cooperating so that I am doing the works, but yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Remember Galatians, Galatians what? 2.20. These are the works of God. You see, therefore, to be zealous for good works we are to be zealous and devoted ourselves to good works from Titus. So good works are not optional. The Apostle Paul tells us good works. Our zeal as believers is to be about the good works of the Holy Spirit. That's our zeal. What does John 2.17 say? What did John 2.17 say? Jesus had just wiped out the temple of all the businesses, remember? And the disciples remembered what was said in the Psalms. What? Zeal for thy house hath consumed me. What does it mean, zeal for thy house? Zeal for the integrity and the protection and the building and the correct usefulness of the house of God. And that zeal has been placed where? In us by the Holy Spirit. We are to, we do first have that zeal. And we are to be regularly asking God 
to be stoking. Do you know what I mean by stoking? Remember, you used to have a fire years ago. We used to put the barbecue pit out in the little coals, and the fire would go down. And what did you do? You took a stick or something. What did you do? You moved the coals around and whatever, and put, and what? tried to get the flames going. You remember that, stoking the fire? The fire is in us. The zeal is in us. Don't ask God to give you the zeal. If you don't have the zeal, you don't have the spirit of zeal. Amen? We pray wrongly. I have the zeal of the Holy Spirit. What I need increasingly so is that that zeal be stoked regularly through my request and through my cooperation in the Holy Spirit. So in order for them to perform the works of God, they need what, Mike? The power of God. Who in here can perform the works of God apart from the power of God? You see, works of God, works that pertain to and are of God himself. These are God's works. We must remember that we're talking about faith works or faith or works that God of God himself in us. It's not us doing something for God. It is the work of literally the work of God himself in us. The work of God. So they need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit for good works. This is why Jesus had told them to remember that he said, before you go, wait to be clothed with what? Power. Power for what? Power for what? Living the Christian life. Power for good works. Power for the ability to be used as God's building materials for the construction of this living house of God. This spiritual house of God. This living temple in which God himself will dwell forever. So, after this commission that he gives to them in 28, 19 of Matthew. Go, therefore, into all the world. Remember, after he gives that commission, he gives this instruction. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. My what? Building blocks. My witnesses. You will be those in whose lives my work is being done in you and through you so that the world may know that I am in the midst doing the work. Your work is going to be identifying or indicative of my presence in you. When they see your work, they will may glorify your Father who is where? In heaven. Remember Matthew five sixteen. You will be my witnesses. You need power to be my witnesses. Witness of what? When the world sees the work of the church individually and corporately, they will see the reality of the Lord Jesus himself. Not the reality of a crucified man necessarily, although that's there, but more the reality of a risen victor at the right hand of God the Father. That's what they're going to see. We want them to see the reality of a crucified man. But more than that, we want them to see the reality of a crucified man who is no longer dead and who has now been exalted. Amen? And that is done only in one way, 
through my and your what? Good works. Correct? Are you with me on this? You see, I'm not sure whether the church, maybe we are guilty of this, I don't know, but I'm not sure whether the church is accentuating this sufficiently. One of the most significant preoccupations of our day must be this. Evaluate, Holy Spirit, my works. Now, you know, saying what my works mean, my within the context of the power of the Holy Spirit. Evaluate my works. Because where there is a diminution, do you know what I mean by diminution? A going down, a diminishing. Where there is a diminution or weakness of good works. What does that say? There is a weakness in my fellowship with God and my experiencing of him intimately. Do you see that? That's the reason, Nettie, isn't it? The more intimate and regular our fellowship with God is. Then that experience will be producing the good works of this God with whom we are fellowshipping. So when I look at my works and if I see a, an area of confusion, an area of disobedience, an area of lack or an area of whatever it is, I don't concentrate on the works because the works are the fruit. The root is fellowship and intimacy with Christ. Correct? Stop looking. I'm sorry. Stop emphasizing or what word do I want? Uh, going to the fruit as the issue. The fruit is a display of something deeper. Go to where the root is that produces the fruit. Remember, fellowship produces function. It's not fellowship and function. It is in a certain way, but it is function from fellowship. Do we get that? The church primarily is called to be a fellowshipping body in Christ. Where is it? God is faithful by whom you have been called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Where is that? Who said that? Paul said it. What verse is it? 1 Corinthians 1, 9. That's the issue. So, Jesus says, go and make disciples. But before you go, you must have the power. So, he gives the command. I'm sorry. He gives, he, it gives the explanation in Acts 1, 8. Now, I know this is distributed in Luke and in Matthew, you remember we put it all together a few weeks ago and we had the whole narration of the uh, 40 days. Now, if you don't have that whole narration in the 40 days on the notes, you can get them from the church. I think they have them somewhere. But we see Matthew 28, 18 to 20, all authority go, you know, and I'm with you always. That is given. And then the, we believe it would be then the, uh, the Acts 1, 8 comes in. Then you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're going to wait in Jerusalem. Why? Because you're going to be clothed with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The need for the power of the Spirit has to do with two ways the kingdom is built. We need the endowment of power 
for at least two areas or two basic categories of our being used as building building blocks or builders with God. We need the kingdom through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we need these two areas to be empowered in us. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is the internal building of the kingdom of God in me and in you, in our hearts and in our minds. It is the internal ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to go into this in any detail today. And then we also need the fruit of the Spirit. I'm sorry, I got it backward. The fruit of the Spirit is the internal ministry. Let's get that straight. The internal ministry of the Holy Spirit in me, conforming me to the image of God's Son. Remember in Romans 5, 29, for we have been predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of God's Son. So how is that done with the power of the Holy Spirit? He is producing in us what is called in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. So we need empowerment internally so that as living stones as living blocks. You see, we're blockheads. It's okay. I'd rather be a blockhead in God's church, in God's house. So as stones, we are set into the edifice of God's temple. But in one way, we are as strong as is necessary. Correct? But in another way, functionally and within the context of displaying Christ in a walking out way upon the earth, we need to be strengthened. In Christ, we have every bit of strength, don't we? But then the Bible also says, be strengthened, what? In the inner man. So we have to be careful. Positionally, in Christ, we are fully Formed, fully strengthened, fully everything. But practically during this particular part of the work of God, as living stones, we need to be regularly and continually strengthened. So that's the work of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 to 24. Three. There's, there's more to be said about this, but we're going through it very scantily. And then we have the ministry of the Holy Spirit that strengthens the church externally. And we're not going to go into that, but that would be, for instance, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what do you normally think of? 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. But that's just a very short list of nine uh, gifts. There are many more gifts. First Peter 4 gives you gifts. Ephesians 4 gives you gifts. Romans 12, they're gifts. So don't be isolated just, just to a particular group of people. They in um, a particular group of gifts. They all function. They're all unnecessary. But all of these gifts of the Spirit are for the purpose of building up the kingdom externally. How? So that as these gifts, as the ministry of the Holy Spirit is functioning through us, having been functioning in us by the fruit of the Spirit, is now functioning through us by the ministry of the Spirit, the Gentiles, meaning those 
in a general sense who are not part of the church. The unbelievers are being brought into the kingdom by the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the administration of the gospel because of our building activity with God as his fellow workers as we are walking in his good works. (sighs) Do we get this? So every one of us is to desire any and all the gifts that God has. There's no such thing as, I want that, but I don't want that gift. Ooh. God, give me any and every gift that you want me to have. Because if God wants you to have it, honey child, you need it. Now, he may not give you every gift, but he's going to give you gifts. And ours is to be discerning. What gifts do I have? If I were to ask you on your, on your notes right there, list the gifts. In fact, you might want to do that. List the gifts that you know you have from God. It would be good for you to do that. List the gifts. Some of you may have never thought this. List the gifts of God that he has, that he's given to you. And then compare it to at least the known gifts that God uh, 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 speaks about in the word through the apostles. Now, is that the extent, no other gifts except those? I doubt it. But at least those gifts are told to us so we can identify the gift and know whether or not we're walking in the gift and evaluate through the leading of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of the Holy Spirit how well we are walking, how much we are using, how well we are building the kingdom through these gifts. Correct? So as you know, when a house is built, you need the gifts of the contractor. And so... All nations. Remember Jesus said, go into all nations, make disciples of all nations. Why? Why does he talk about that? Where does that come from? Do you remember in Genesis 17, the Lord promised Abraham what? All the nations will be blessed through you. Do you remember that promise? All the nations. And too many people say, that's where the promise began, and that's the covenant. That's not right. That was a, an elaboration and a redeclaration of the original promise, which is where? In Genesis 1, 28. Remember? Bless and you will what? Subdue the earth. Remember that? You will, do, in other words, all nations. Remember Genesis 1, 26 and 27 and 28. So the promise to Abraham, the great covenant God made with Abraham, is the taking up of the Abrahamic, I'm sorry, the Adamic, Adam covenant that God made with Adam and moving it forward and now establishing it in Abraham to begin to make it a great reality. It's not anything new. It's the original. It's the original. And so... Let me finish with this. Fellow workers with God. I want, to, I want to reemphasize this. I may take a moment over today. I said this last week, and it's so, so centrally significant. Because we don't do it either at all, or we don't do it nearly enough. All of this, all of this demonstrates I think either the most amazing or one of the most amazing truths about God. 
his deference. His deference. Do you know what I mean by that? That God defers to us and gives to us the most significant work in all creation. The work of the display of his son. The work of honoring his son. The work of constructing, if you would, the reality of his son. A father giving into the hands of us the most significant desire and intention that he has, that they may see my son. The deference of God in using us to me, is one of the most breathtaking <gasps> issues. And what does that say for me? That I also must be a man of deference for other members of the kingdom. And we must be a deferring people. Deferring, except for sin and unbiblicalness, you understand. Deferring to other people's preferences and understandings and, and, and means. Do, you, do we get this? And yet deference is not very well done in the church. And yet it is the nature of God to be deferring to us. It's scandalous. To the religions of the world, there ain't no such thing. This is the only one. Why, Jake? Uh, Why, Nicholas? Because it's a truth. Why don't the others have it? Because they don't know God. Because they don't know God. Our God is a deferential God. And so it's an awesome privilege, but it has awesome responsibility. Listen to this. Listen to this quote. And all of us would be well to read it regularly. 1 Corinthians three eleven to 15. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds, remember building on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Each one's work will be manifested for the day. Which day? The day of judgment. We'll disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, in other words, if it's shown to be truly the work of God, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved only as through fire. These are sobering words. Because the work we do today will be the basis on which we are judged, not as to our salvation unless our lives have no good works, and then you're not saved. A believer has good works but we will be judged as to rewards and standing in the heavenly kingdom. So here we read this in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks like a roaring, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And there's one more scripture. I think I left it out. 2 Corinthians 10.5, a 10.3, for we all must appear before the, I think it's 
Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Second Corinthians. I'm sorry, no, no, 510, 510. There it is. I get my numbers back. Owl, it happens. I'm old. Second Corinthians 510. What does it say? For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. To do what? To be evaluated as to what? The good works. Whether they be what? Our works. Whether they be what? Good or evil. Every one of us are going to stand before Christ himself. And he's going to judge our works. How well were we used in the building of his kingdom? How well were we used? We need to remember this and bear down on it and think about it and make this a great sober reality. Every believer will stand before Christ himself. It's a Christian forgiven people's judgment, not as to the issue of your salvation, but to the issue of your sanctification, to the issue of how God will use us and reward us in this heaven. And the basis will be what? Our good works. What are our good works? Drop the O from good, and what do you have? Drop one of the O's from good, and what do you have? God works. Amen? So next week, We'll be talk, Keith will be in here speaking. Please come back. And then the week after next, we'll talk about the ascension of the Lord Jesus and some of the significance of what the ascension is all about. Thank you.